We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. Hey, it's a live edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Look, when was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise is a trusted company with mobile tools that take your banking beyond the borders of whatever city you live in. They are the absolute best to work with. I have very much enjoyed. Uh, getting uh, to to work with Emprise Bank, our partner, Impossible. Uh, I am here with both of my beautiful, handsome, wonderful pals today. Very excited that the gang is all here. Uh, first, five underscore on at Maddie underscore Casey is in Matthew Lane. A little rusty there, bud, huh? <laughs> I'm the, I was on this week too. Like first, find him underscore. <laughs> right. seven years ago so football is almost here gentlemen like we got yeah. well, I think some teams some teams start camp this week right not the chiefs they're next week but i believe some teams start this week so like this week officially football like real parts of football kicks back off and i could not be more excited to get me to next week so badly right now i am over the offseason i've been over the offseason since like april let's get beyond this and let's do it now craig Yes, let's do it. Like right now. Where this is I built a time machine over here. It's just yep. outside. Yep. I'm gonna Checks. take us all a week in advance. Hmm. We're gonna get to training camp. Orlando Brown Jr. showing up. It's all gonna be great, guys. I've already been there. I can already tell you what's happening. It's all gonna be great. No, it's good to be back with you guys, though. I'm ready to talk some Chiefs, training camp, whatever. I believe that Friday uh is when some of the quarterbacks rookies start reporting 
training camp. So we are very, very, very close uh, to that reality. Cannot wait. And we figured since, hey, look, this is the last time we'll have a kind of opportunity like this before the quarterbacks report. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about some of the offensive storylines heading into training camp during training camp. That's kind of what we're going to be focusing on today. Uh, and I, Wednesday, we'll continue to do our season previews as we've always been doing. So we got to talk about a little bit of offense today, which is perfect uh, because uh, I'm going to be here for this episode. So I think the first thing we've got to talk about when it comes to the offensive storylines, as Craig just so beautifully alluded to, uh, that beautiful Travis man. Travis Kelsey? <sighs> mm-hmm. Craig, he's still riding with the Travis Kelsey bit during the game. Listen, man. I know you've missed a couple weeks. It's not a bit. (laughs) I don't. I I have missed it. Genuinely, (laughs) I have missed it. Oh, don't act like you weren't having a good time. Uh, I was. (laughs) I know. I know you were. But uh, we will talk about Orlando. It's worth talking about Orlando Brown Jr. Because since uh, we've last discussed, the deadline has officially passed on Orlando Brown Jr.'s opportunity to get a... Long-term extension done with the Chiefs. Orlando Brown Jr. will be playing on the franchise tag if and when he signs that franchise tag. But it doesn't have to be this week. It doesn't have to be leading up to camp. Uh, I'm, I think the first storyline we've got to look at on the offensive side of the football when it comes to training camp is, when does Orlando Brown show up? That's the first question off the bat. Do you think he's missing a snap of training camp, Matthew? And don't Maddie answer and they'd be like, yeah, he'll probably get a water break and the threes will play and all that stuff. Give me a real answer. What? I don't I don't understand your Maddie answer. Um No, I think he'll be there when he's gonna be there, right? Like, unless he was actually upset with the Chiefs during the negotiations, unless there is something that we don't know about that actively pissed him off, I don't know why he wouldn't be there. It would make zero sense to start holding out on the one team right now that you played with that is probably at this moment in time willing to offer you the most money holding out. just going to piss them off. You're going to back them into a corner for a team that doesn't like to be backed into corners by their players very often. And it's just not going to look good. It's like, I just don't see what Orlando Brown is going to gain by holding out for a guy that has made a lot of very financially smart moves during, you know, his young career that sure that goes back to his dad and everybody he's been in contact with. It just would make no sense. It would make no sense to hold out. He's just hurting himself, especially now that the, the he can no longer sign a long-term deal. There's nothing to hold out for. You're no longer leveraged playing anything. If you're holding out now, you're literally just holding out to hold out and piss people off. And that just doesn't seem to make sense the way he's gone about his business. Yeah, the only reason to really sit out any snaps is injury and just not wanting to be in St. Joe. Like that that's really <laughs> it and neither one of those are like especially great re- obviously injury is, you know, on a one year deal and all that, but the missing out on St. Joe thing that's not a great reason to not be there. And it's not like the Chiefs didn't put a contract in front of him. They put an offer in front of him. We got a little bit of details about that. Honestly, we got more details about the Orlando Brown non-contract than we have about some actual contracts that the Chiefs have signed. So that was kind of fun to see all of that trickle through. It was a competitive offer, a competitive enough offer with the leverage that the Chiefs had with you know, the fact that they can do multiple franchise tags. I didn't think it was going to go much higher than that from what they offered there. And I simultaneously understand why Orlando Brown Jr. didn't sign it, but it 
doesn't seem to me, based on the aftermath of all of that, that anybody's walking away pissed off at the other party. So I do think that there is an opportunity here for Orlando Brown Jr. to be at camp, especially early on, to show up, to get the job done, show he's there, put another year on the resume of left tackle play, protecting Patrick Mahomes, turn around next year and say, hey, I know what you guys offered me last year. Let's kick up the guarantees a little bit more, and I'm willing to sign. I think the Chiefs might be a little more ready to do that in that instance as well. Yeah, it's just like the one thing I keep kind of coming back to just a little bit is just the whole process with him has been so weird. I mean, and we've talked about this a few times before, but like delaying hiring an agent, then finally hiring an agent, agent that has no prior relationships with any general management, has never negotiated an NFL contract. And now we're now we're sitting here and, you know, there's talks from Mike Garofolo that maybe he's not at camp on time. Maybe he's missing time, which I mean, that can't that that last nugget about missing games came before the deadline. I don't yeah, I, was I don't buy say, that. that's 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 a pre deadline leverage. I yeah, think. it sounds oh, maybe. But I just I don't know. It's just it's been such a weird process for him this whole time that like. I'm like a little, I'm at least a little faster to see if he shows up first day. And I mean, if, if he doesn't, if, if Orlando Brown Jr. doesn't show up for day one, let's just play the hypothetical. What does that say about the scenario, the situation? Does it say anything? Does it bother you at all, Matthew? Anything? Do you feel day anything? One? Day yeah. one, no. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm mildly annoyed, but day one, no. He starts missing time when they can get into full contact and pads start coming up full contact and pads start coming on. Yeah. Okay. Maybe then, maybe then I, I actually probably get a little annoyed because at that point in time, I think he's just holding out to hold out. Like at that point in time, you're overplaying your hand. You're, I get betting on yourself and looking out for yourself. But at that point in time, you've gone from not, you're no longer, it doesn't come across as just looking for yourself. It now comes across as you don't care about everybody else out there. You're not trying to help the team be the best. You kind of turn that corner from it being, being, I'm going to take care of mine first and then figure out everything else I can to just kind of being selfish rather than smart about it. I, it's not fair. It's almost like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth with that, but like, I, I don't know, I guess for my perspective at this point in time, you can no longer get paid more money this year. You decided not to take the deal, which means you are willing to risk your health and play for this guaranteed money that is going to come your way. Get out there and start doing it because your teammates, the other people that you're going out there on the field with need it. So yeah, you get a weekend, a week past pads coming on and he's still not there. I do get a little bit upset at that point in time. And I would imagine the Chiefs and Andy Reid especially start getting a little mad at that point in time. Andy Reid does not have guys hold out hardly ever. It very seldomly happens. Somebody like Orlando Brown Jr. in this situation missing, you know, more than a day or two of pre-padded practice would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, it would be a really big deal. And it's not like the Chiefs Jesse Bates him. Like they did, they offered him a competitive enough contract. The the Cincinnati Bengals just complete utter low ball Jesse Bates. So like I I, I understand why he's not showing it. Like they were just operating on safety contracts from fourteen years ago. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. It was that that was an insane low ball. So Jesse Bates is going to be upset and not going to show up. Orlando Brown Jr. doesn't have a ton to be upset about. The only thing that I will say, and it was kind of put out there, Wink Windell put it out there, that 105 degrees might keep him away a week or two. 
that's a very fair point. It's supposed to be insanely hot up there in St. Joe for like the first two, three weeks. Maybe, maybe you see him stay away, but only because of heat, which again, the rest of your teammates are there. You, know, you could be there too. Do you think Andy cares? He gets Andy, a skilling no. game in Miami. It's because it's too hot. Yeah. Not going to go yeah. to play in Texas. It's too hot. Yep. I Don't get me started on the Bengals. I might rant. I just, <laughs> the Bengals <laughs> peaked last year and they're it's it's over i'm just they're gonna get bopped this year continuously and i cannot wait and the chiefs are gonna mm, i'm i'm angry the anger is coming out i'm just gonna restrain it's july i shouldn't i know i gotta i gotta it's mid-july i gotta i gotta scale back a little bit but um the 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 career arc so far of orlando brown's been very interesting it's been uh a little bit unique mandating playing left tackle believing he's destined to play left tackle finally doing it getting an opportunity in kansas city the golden opportunity he's been so craving and uh turning down a long-term deal and so if he does considering the entire backstory of orlando brown like if he doesn't show up day one of train camp i'm going to be annoyed i am going to be annoyed i just i it just uh, the, it's he'll be just, there week one He'll be there week one. It's and happening. If, and if That's he's not, matters. and if he's not, mm. you realize though that every day he misses slows down his clock to go to full pads. So he will, if he misses one day, he will miss a padded practice. All it takes is him missing one day to miss a, to, to miss a padded practice. And so I just, I don't know. There's, there doesn't seem to be any benefit whatsoever. So you're mad if he misses the first day and is there for the second. I no, I saw what I'm saying. Okay. I'm just saying if, if <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I'm annoyed. I'm yeah. annoyed day one if he's uh -huh. not there day one, and then I get slightly more annoyed until he finally shows up. I just okay. that's I just it'll be a little annoying. Just I, I'm you know fascinating dude. I'm more I'm curious. I'm just it's the word the word fascinated is probably appropriate. I okay, will say when this. does he show up? Oh, okay, go ahead, Greg. Oh yeah, go ahead. No no no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say okay, Kent. When does he show up? I want to believe he just shows up. Um, give me... He gives himself three extra days. So you think... I don't okay, I don't know what the extra practice is. So 29th is, I think, the first padded practice. So you're thinking the third practice, roughly. He shows that. up like August 1. Okay. Craig, when does he show up? I'm just going to say that he's showing up August 28th, which is the same day that Eric Berry showed up the year that he held out of training camp and we didn't have this collective freak out over him. Ugh. <laughs> Maddie. He showed up day one. He's going to be there the first day. <laughs> All that being I, said, I don't know, he's going to be, I, I'm, I wasn't worried about there being a long-term deal. Um, still not worried about him not holding out or anything like that. Like I've downplayed it the whole time. I'm kind of surprised he didn't reach a long-term deal, but I also think for both teams, it makes some sense, right? I don't think the chiefs, are overly pressed to make sure they sign him this year versus next offseason. I don't think there's going to be a big difference for them. I don't think they're going to be, can be competing to entirely reset the left tackle market next year compared to this year. It's the same price range you're going to be dealing with at the left tackle. Tr Craig brought up a good point. Tristan Worse will be up for a potential extension then. He plays right tackle though, so I don't know how much crossover that's going to have. Like I just don't think the Chiefs are going to be dealing with a new market setter. So it nothing changes for their from their perspective. For Orlando Brown's perspective, if he's not getting what he wants, why not go play? Go play better, get your deal pushed farther down when the cap's increasing more and make more money. Like get the same 
percentage that you were offered this year of the cap space, but it just ends up being more money because it raises. Like I get the concept from both sides. I don't think this is anything worth losing sleep over. We get though, we get to August and he's still not there. Then I start to get a little mad because now I don't know what's going on anymore. But like, I think he shows up day one. Yeah, we're doing a whole episode if he goes all the way into August. <laughs> um, all right, I, next, I have a storyline I want to present. Okay, you you do it. Oh, do you do you have something, Craig? Did you? Did you? No, I, I was just going to point out Jason Thomas put in the chat real quick here. Is he going to come in heavy? We have seen shots of Orlando Brown Jr. He looks fantastic right now. Like he looks slim and trim already. Uh, it looks like he put in the work this offseason. I am not at all worried. I know that he has had conditioning issues in the past. Those I'm not at all tips. worried about him based on based on what we've seen so far this offseason. By all indications, he's slimmed down mm-hmm. um, from from last year's weight. So I, I'm, hey, another storyline interesting to watch. Um, I am going to propose a storyline here. Mm. All right. So Justin Ross, I'm curious what (laughs) Justin Ross, the wide receiver for the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, I've heard a word about him for two months. Former, exactly. Former Clemson tiger, uh, the buzz of rookie mini camp, um, some injuries and some some stuff have kind of hampered his uh, his off season sizzle since then. Uh, I'm fascinated to see if 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 he's a pup candidate. If because I don't believe he participated in the mandatory mini camp. If I if memory serves me correct, I don't think he played a single day of that of that um, mandatory mini camp, which I believe would make him a guy that could potentially be on the um, the pup list, um, which. I'm fascinated by. It. I'm curious if this is a redshirt year for Justin Ross. Uh, I'm curious if this is a year. I, I'm fascinated to see if he hits the ground running. Uh, if some of the mild injuries that he had are symptoms of something more substantial that requires him to maybe miss this entire season. I am very. I'm just very curious to see if if Justin Ross is active for the first day of of training camp for him. I think he he has the ability to report July 22nd as well uh, as a rookie. I'm just curious to see what the status of him is because there's a little bit in question for me with you know the quiet mystery of the ending of his offseason. So can he does he have to not be at training camp to get on the pup list or can he still get on the pup list no, if he plays? He can't, he just can't participate. So it's just a matter of like, do the Chiefs put him on some kind of pup list? Do they put him on? I mean, what was the what was the list that that Tim Ward went on? Uh, they allowed him because there was they had one guy on the pup list. They want they put one guy on the IR just off the bat. I can't remember, but they. Had I don't. Two. I don't remember. So that's I. I'm not familiar with these rules, so I didn't know if he had to sit out of training camp if he was going on the pup list or not. Like I didn't know if that was something they could wait till later to pull off. No, or not. He, I think you have to. I think you have to not participate in any official mm-hmm. capacity before the season. You can stay on the pup fit list for the entirety of the season. I think it's certainly. I mean, certainly worth certainly worth monitoring, right? Like if he does, if he's not out there, I think that's very clearly what's happening because he was all the rage at the rookie minicamp stuff and he was making plays and that's all anybody could talk about. And then it just went stone cold silent. So is it silent because they're trying not to, they're trying to control the hype machine. They're trying to rein it in so he doesn't feel extra pressure or nobody feels pressured about it. Or was this kind of something that they plan on going with the pup list route? And at this point in time, what's, What's the rationale for having him go out there, stealing all these reps, getting reps from guys that are going to play this year when they are planning on trying to kind of redshirt him for a year, which would probably be good for his health and his development as long as he's on board with it, which 
you know, given what he's gone through and what he's talked about and stuff, I think he probably would be if he believed the people delivering the message. So like, that's something that we'll find out pretty quick once camp kicks off. And I think it's something worth keeping your eye on because it went from Justin Ross every single day in your face for your Chiefs fan to literally haven't heard a word about him since he missed the first day of mandatory minicamp. That's it. I will say this. He can be there at mandatory minicamp and still be on the pup list. Mm. Like he can take part in all those activities. Training camp is the deadline for that. So that's, that's something to keep in mind, something to keep your eye on. Certainly they could stash him on injured reserve if they wanted to. We've seen them do that with a lot of players there, but it means that they can have one less camp body. Like if they've already determined, Hey, that guy's not playing this season. We just want to keep him on the roster. We want him to be able to sit in team meetings. We want him to be able to sit around and hang out with all these guys, learn the offense passively through some of this stuff. That's what we want to do. Then. Yeah. You put him on the pup list, you stash him, you fill that spot, get that camp body back. If he shows up to camp day one, well, it's got to be an IR if you're going to stash him for the year. Now, I will say this. That's an awful lot of hype that the Chiefs put out there for a guy if they were planning to pup him or if they were planning that's fair. to redshirt him. Because we've seen those types of guys. We've seen guys that we've been personally excited. Tim Ward was a guy we were personally excited about when he came out. And then he came back the next year, looked great in you know, the all preseason and everything like that. But... The Chiefs have never hyped those kinds of guys the same way that they have hyped Justin Ross. And Patrick Mahomes has never hyped a guy like that, that he didn't. I mean, he's part of the understanding. He knows how the offense is going to go. He has had conversations with Andy Reid. He knows if Justin Ross is going to be a factor or contending for a spot on this team versus just a guy that's going to be sitting for a year. So I personally think he's going to show up you know, day one of the rookies, you know, everybody's going to be there. He's going to be there too. We're going to get to see him show out. We're going to get to see him with our own two eyes in training camp the entire time. And then we're going to see if the chiefs go ahead and pull the reins back a little bit, you know, as the preseason goes along and says, Oh, Oh, you know what? Guess what? You got a foot injury and now you're going to be stashed on IR. I'm just, yeah, I'm curious to see what goes on there Mm -hmm. with his, with him and his situation. And if he's a guy that's going to be able to, you know, hit the ground running i i'm excited like that's one guy i really want to see because of some of the early buzz uh about him any all right maddie any storylines that you're curious about yeah and i'm glad you're talking about buzz and i'm glad we're talking about wide receivers um i've talked about this the last couple weeks now the buzz about juju smith schuster doesn't exist it's not there from the chiefs it's not there around the team it's literally nowhere yet he gets podium time yet he gets kind of the wide receiver one treatment and the very small things that go unnoticed that aren't always super in public slight, but then you don't hear or see the team hyping him up. He hasn't been down in Texas as much as some of the other guys, so people haven't been able to run with it. Andy Reid hasn't just been gushing about him like he has some of the personalities of other guys. Peter Schrager is not on Good Morning Football or Good Mo- and talking about you know how good he is or how fast he is and he could be a secret weapon. The hype is just not there at all. Is that going to be the case once fans get to go see practice and the Chiefs no longer get to control every single narrative about a player? (laughs) Will that still be the thing when it's not just press and it's not just people that they are leaking information to and you have guys like Kent and Craig and Tucker, who's going to be there a lot, sitting in the stands 
Are they going to be able to control that hype or will there be no hype to control? I don't know. I think we're going to see that Juju Smith-Schuster be is the wide receiver one very clearly for this team. I think it's going to get out pretty quick, pretty mm-hmm. quick in training camp. I just wonder, how, you know, what does it look like now? Or am I completely off base here and he's not getting hype because he hasn't deserved it? I'm, I'm buying this this narrative. I think Juju is wide receiver one. And I just think that they haven't had to talk about him yet. So they're not. I mean, it, it just... It, Andy is going to keep all that stuff under wraps. This is, I I think his role is very interesting. Like we've talked about at at length, ad nauseum, this offseason here. He's a hell of a blocker. They use him in zone insert looks. They they can kind of make a modified 12 personnel out of their 11 with Juju in the slot there. He's also an intermediate threat, which the Chiefs haven't had like a good one of those in a little while now. So maybe the other than Travis Kelsey, excuse me, other than Travis Kelsey, but it, we haven't seen him, this type of receiver in an Andy Reid offense yet. And so it makes perfect sense to me that the Chiefs and Andy Reid are just sitting there watching this and going, yep. Uh, we know how we're going to use him. We know exactly the way it's going to be. He knows the, exactly the way it's going to be. We don't need to hype it because we can unleash it You know, week five, six, seven, eight, whenever it is that Andy decides that he's going to do it. We can really turn it loose and show what this offense can truly transform and be. And if we sit here and we hype up Juju, well, maybe, maybe some other teams are going to go dig in a little deeper and say, okay, how are they planning to use this guy and try and get a leg up on him? Yeah, you talk about the week five, six, seven thing. Yeah, that would be interesting to me if there's like a mid-season kind of volume increase for him. You know, talk about pacing a little bit, you know, uh, showing as little as you possibly can, you know, uh, in you know as you build up towards, you know, the full reveal of what you're trying to accomplish and hopefully have enough in the bag during the playoffs. But that'd be fascinating. If it's just like a, if, if there's a little bit of, there's like just a little, just holding a little bit back on Juju, pacing yourself a little bit bit uh, on Juju, Juju. I'm yeah, it, that's one of those, that's one of those guys. Like, there's there's so many things to like about him, and there's so many things in areas that boy, it would have been valuable to have a guy like him. You know, last year specifically, when you talk about, you know, the lid staying on the defense, trusted hands, contested catches, balls in traffic. Um, you know, a guy that I'm the, the, his ability to kind of run option routes, kind of read defenses. I'm very interested to see that with him and Mahomes, um, because I think he's very good at that and he's very decisive and he's a really good route runner on some of those options, some of those choice routes. Um, that would have been nice to have, would have been nice to have last year. And, um, we'll see how his role scales. But I mean, even just as a third down guy, like I think that's where, you know, another trusted mm-hmm. guy like him probably as as sure of a guy that they've had at that position outside of Kelsey and as sure a guy they've had at the receiver position uh, in the Patrick Mahomes era, not disparaging Tyree kill is just a little bit different, you know, and they try to get by with the Byron Pringles and the uh, Demarcus Robinson's of the world. And one dropped a lot of passes and the other one ran backwards. So, um, you know, I, I I'm, I'm looking forward to the Juju Smith Schuster era. I think he made a good decision for his future because I think Mahomes is going to give him enough volume for him to earn a really nice contract uh, Listen, in 2023. And he's still it, young. Oh, super young. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If I wanted to hide somebody like a Juju Smith-Schuster, I would certainly say, hey, check out this young, fast guy in McCall Hardman who we just haven't been able to fully use. Check out this other deep threat in Marquez Valdez-Scantling that we maybe got underutilized in Green Bay, but is a very good deep threat and worked really well there in Rodgers. Oh, by the way, check out Justin Watson, who didn't have a lot of production, but is really fast and really big. Check out all these fast guys that can get vertical. Like, that's exactly what I would Check out our UDFA guy, Justin Ross. You got to check him out, too. Right. Like, I would 100%. But especially focusing on these guys that have speed and the ability to stretch the field vertically. Like, if that's... If this was the game, if it was all gamesmanship and you were trying to convince teams that you were just going to run the exact same offense with the exact same spacing principles, obviously without Hill, it's different, but the same general principles, this is what I would do. I would talk about all the fast guys that could potentially beat you over the top. I want every team to come out and play too high if I'm the Chiefs. I want every team to come out with, I'm looking at this receiver room, I want them to play too high with light boxes. I want them to play base out of nickel and dime rather than base and nickel. Like I want, that's what I want. And then all of a sudden now you have Travis Kelsey and then you have Juju Smith-Schuster, two very physical, very good intermediate middle of field receivers just working with a lot of open space. Like this is the route I would go. And this is just where my head goes. Now, is that what the Chiefs are doing? I don't know. That's why I said I want to find out. But like this is the exact route I would go is talking about undrafted free agents and Justin Watson and MVS and McCole Hardman who hasn't lived up to the hype. Keep going with the speed. Don't emphasize how things could be different. Pay attention to what could be the same. Uh, one other thing. I don't think the Sky Moore sizzle has been there either. Hmm. This is true. And with him, I he excuse it from one being a rookie, making a huge jump in competition after not playing wide receiver in college. Like there could be a bit of a learning curve there for him as a rookie in Andy Reid's system. And two, he was injured. He did miss some of the rookie mini camp. He was, they talked about, he was playing catch up during the, you know, the other, uh, their mini camp stuff, mandatory mini camp. So I can see a real reason for there to be no hype there for there to be a real reason for no hype from Juju. That's disappointing for a guy that's been a good NFL player. And that's, I just have a lot harder time believing that he's struggling compared to these other receivers where Sky Moore, I could get it being a little bit slower given the situation, but I'm with you. It has been very quiet. 
Yeah, it has. Although we got something recently. He's down there working with Patrick. They had the one where he's laid out and he's really hauling the ball. Like there, there's still a little bit of hype there. It's not like it's non-existent there, but man, it's it's non-existent for Juju. Like it, you, you might as well like it's it's ultra quiet. And we're gonna find out like immediately whether or not that's. It's like Maddie said. You know, it, you're gonna have people at camp. If he's showing out and he's going up against a bunch of young DBs, so there's a good chance that he's going to be beaten up on some young guys that haven't seen some of the nuances to his route tree and things like that. You're going to see it immediately. And so we're going to know whether or not the Chiefs were just downplaying the hype a little bit pretty quickly. I, I would guess three practices in. You're going to see, you know, you're just going to be like, all right, I see what you guys were doing there. And so... I yes, that's that is one of the big offensive storylines going into this training camp that we're gonna find out pretty quick. And before I mean, we get off Juju, I just Jason Thomas had a question. What does Juju Smith Schuster average on yards per catch? It predictively, I will get there. He averaged, you know, his career average is just under 12, but his last two years with the ghost of Paul Bunyan playing quarterback for him, it was <laughs> under nine both years. Whereas before his first three years with a healthy <laughs> Roethlisberger, 16 yards per catch, 13 yards per catch, 13 yards per catch. And then it dropped down to below nine as Paul Bunyan took over. So, um, you know, this year with the Chiefs, I, I think you're probably looking for him to get back over that 10-yard number, and that's probably not super high. It's not going to be Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman high because that's not where he wins, but I think getting back into double digits for him would be a big win. That's exactly what the Chiefs need. It's Yukon Cornelius from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> throwing him passes. Thank you very much. Don't Don't try and humanize that man. Please don't try and humanize that man. <laughs> All right, I got an offensive storyline here. And Maddie kind of touched on it a little bit, and it's kind of something I've been writing about. What are we going to see the Chiefs try and come up and try and do to beat too high? And probably most specifically, how are they going to try and beat the Fangio version of too high that we have seen the league? Like I believe there are 10 coaches in the league on 10 different teams this season that come from the Fangio tree are going to try and implement some sort of that too high structure that is shifting and evolving. It's not just cover two. It's not just quarters. It's it's cover one. It's cover three. They just do such a great job of disguising it. How are the Chiefs going to walk into training camp with the mindset to try and beat that? They know they're going to see it out of the Chargers. They know that teams are going to try to adopt it to try and stop them because it takes that deep over away. It puts a lid on the defense. It forces Andy Reid to be patient all game long. And as we saw in the AFC Championship game, not necessarily his forte. He wants to get out and be explosive. Are we going to see a more measured approach? Are we going to see a more patient approach? Are we going to see him run the ball a little more? Are we going to see more of the shallow to intermediate and really working that because teams are going to put them in that all season long and they know they've got to sharpen that up. So I think we'll see some of those concepts, some of those route distributions. It's not just going to be go routes, posts, things like that for Patrick Mahomes. You're still going to see those, but I do want to see if there's a little more increased focus on some of the shallow intermediate and running the ball, especially early in camp. And they're really trying to nail some of that stuff down and drill it into the offensive minds. I, I think, and like, I agree. And like, sure, let's get really good at running the football and throwing the short to intermediate. Uh, my only problem is, I think we talked about this with Nate Taylor. 
I think every other team in the National Football League is thrilled if the Chiefs are operating with that kind of philosophy. They are absolutely thrilled that the ball's being taken out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes. You you don't think that you don't think other teams want the Chiefs to run the ball? I do. I don't know if there's anything that can be done to take the t- a team out of you know playing a lot of heavy too high. I really don't. I continue to maintain this. I think teams are going to be thrilled to get the ball out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes, whether it's throwing the ball short and letting some guy named not Patrick Mahomes try to make a play, whether it's running the football. I don't care. Like I genuinely think teams will live with that kind of philosophy where it's long sustained drives, more opportunities to try to turn the football over, you know, clock killers. I genuinely think like that is going to, I, I don't, I, I, we could be talking about this. Yeah. The Chiefs figured the Chiefs. Yeah. The Chiefs will probably figure out too high. And, and the byproduct will be the ball is out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Now, maybe they're an, an uber-efficient offense and they play well. Sure, I, I believe that's very much in the cards. But the explosive nature, the, some of that scariness gets taken out of the football. The air gets taken out of the football. And whether or not the Chiefs still get to dictate the pace of the game, yeah, great. But you've taken away a little bit of the explosive nature of this team if that happens. Some of those explosives... They already have. I mean, they already have. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> They are did you it telling Tyreek on the field. Oh, no, I, I meant, saying, like, I meant defenses then. Not the Chiefs. I meant defenses already yeah. took away the explosive mm-hmm. aspect of the That's Chiefs. what I'm saying. It's like you, you don't think teams are gonna like I I just don't understand why we think teams are gonna deviate from this. Like, sure, they can get really, really good at it, but like okay, like cool. Oh, like I, I can think, tell you why. Defensive coordinators don't like to give up free yards over and over and over again. <laughs> the Chiefs did a terrible, terrible job of taking free yards over and over again. Like we can't. We're sitting here saying teams are just going to let them do that, but we haven't seen the Chiefs do that. And when they have, guess what? It's looked really good. Yeah, it hasn't been exciting, but they've <laughs> drove up and down the field, and it's looked really, really good. So like, Cincinnati in the first half. Uh, right. Buffalo there's, a couple years ago. Man, right. that was there's fun. Plenty of, <laughs> there's plenty of examples of the Chiefs running the ball, taking short passes, and just relying on yard. even Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. With their, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the 13 seconds, it's all the hype, but the Chiefs beat them up by throwing the ball pretty short and just taking what was there. And then moving the ball down the field over and over and over again. It's like, I get where you're coming from that teams want that in theory, but come the second quarter when the Chiefs have scored three straight touchdown passes, guess what? That changes real fast in Vic Fangio's mind and Dan Quinn's mind, whatever defensive coordinator you're playing, that changes real fast when the Chiefs are six for six on third down conversions and they've scored three straight possessions. All of a sudden, you have to ratchet up pressure. You have to get more exotic things changed. So like, I get, I get both sides of it. I don't think the Chiefs, I think they proved it last year, they can't go out there and run their same offense versus two high structures and maintain a consistently good offense. I get it. Patrick Mahomes is great. He's the best quarterback in the league, but the Chiefs proved last year they can't do it. So why would we want them to continue to do it, right? I would rather them lay it up over and over again and get good enough at laying it up that teams have to stop playing that direction. Then we can go back. Then it becomes, you know, it's, you know, are you going to stop X? Are you going to stop Y? Whereas right now it's just, we're going to stop Y and make you do X until you decide you don't want to do that anymore. Until you decide you don't want to run. Until you decide you're not going to take the underneath pass. And the Chiefs have been too quick to get away from it. They haven't done a good enough job basing their offense out of it. Now, will we get any of these answers in training camp? Absolutely not. Absolutely, positively, zero chance we get a single answer to this question in training camp. The Chiefs are going to run the most basic concepts that you've ever seen. They are going to run verts. Oh, go ahead. I just I love watching preseason games and seeing that offense and then just like never seeing anything they run in the preseason again. And it's like, why you have this in the playbook? 
Like, excuse me, it's amazing. They've run mills in the preseason before. I know. <laughs> it's like it's just like there's just so many things that like you just you see once you see him in the pre, in the preseason and then you just never see him again. You know, we'll see, we'll probably see Matt Nagy's offense from the Bears last season. Uh, in the preseason, guess what? It's gonna look phenomenal because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. Lots of play action, lots of bootlegs. It's gonna be great. Bubble RPOs, baby. Oh no, we don't need any more of those. We've 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 burned the we've burned the bubble RPOs. I guess the Chiefs kind of got away from the bubble RPOs a little bit. With Maybe he didn't. That's well, yeah. That, listen, I what whatever floats your boat. I guess that whatever. I, I will say this: we know Andy calls a hell of an opening script. We know that he dials some stuff up. He gets the defense on their back foot. By and large, it tends to be good. My thought behind all of this is it seems it seems like the Chiefs last year at least prepared for what teams were going to do or what they had been doing. You know, you saw a lot of teams that was like, well, they're typically like a, a cover three heavy team and all that. And then they come out, they play exclusively two high structures and the Chiefs can't get anything going. And they, you know, they just didn't practice or plan for that sort of thing. So maybe it's not necessarily that they're coming in with the idea that, hey, we're going to throw the ball seven yards down the field over and over and over again until they can't take it away. It might be, hey, we're going to game plan for what they typically do, but when they inevitably make that pivot and they come out and they try and throw us a curveball, guess what? we got the personnel now. We've got the approach now. We know that we can do this element of it and we can do it in our sleep and we can just continue to take this until, like Maddie said, defensive coordinator gets sick and tired of watching, you know, gain 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 down the field and so they revert to what they had before then you can get back into the game plan a little bit more then you can try and hit some of that more explosive stuff i just think it makes them more balanced i think it's going to give them the ability to do so i think the intent of bringing in all these receivers a specific type of receiver just screams to me that they want to be better in that area of the field and the entire reason for that, for me at least, is because you've got so many teams that are trying to do this too high stuff against them. You know, and I think the Chiefs figured things out a little bit better as the season went on, very obviously, and they showed up a little bit better in the playoffs as a result of some of this. So, like, you know, there's, you know, they they definitely took their lumps early and it looked abysmal, and then they figured some things out as the season went on. And now personnel changes a little bit. There's going to be some more wrinkles involved. You've got better blocking. Um, I think on the perimeter and some areas in the interior a little bit. Um, you talk about Juju Smith Schuster's versatility as a blocker and all that stuff. So, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully there's, you know, hopefully there's some growth there. Hopefully, I mean, I hope there's some growth from Mahomes too. Like, I think Mahomes probably, I think he even said something of this offseason about, you know, being better about being a little bit more efficient and taking what defenses give you at times and stuff like that. And growth and maturity there, if he comes up a little bit better in some of those areas, look out. <laughs> Good luck. I got one more storyline to throw at you unless Maddie has more, but I do too. So we should lightning round these. <laughs> oh, are we trying to get out in under an hour, Matthew? I mean, I was thinking like 56 minutes was my target. Well, we call a Maddie 10 40 minutes. A Maddie 10 minutes is a 40 minute show. Uh, so this is uh, surpassing a Maddie 10. Um, I'll We can go lightning round really quick and I'll just do it simply like this. Uh, Matthew Lane, who wins the right tackle position for week one of the uh, Chiefs season? For we ooh, I told you I can't answer this question until I see the first couple days. This Don't is, care. This is my thing right now. I, I said fire, Andrew, go. I said Andrew Wiley's penciled in, but I will tell you after the first week of padded practice, practice is going to win. 
Nope. Right now. Give him. A, give me an I answer. I just did. I nope. answered. All right. Andrew Wiley. That's your answer. Matt uh, Craigery. In a very light pencil. Craigery. L- Lucas Niang. Andrew Wiley. I think I think they just played well enough as a group, as a unit, that I think they want to keep that continuity. And Andrew Wiley played well enough that I think he's going to wind up winning the job. Curious what happens to the Lucas Niang and Darian Kennard situation from there on out. That's like those three guys, like what happens? Does one of them move inside? Does one of them try to play left tackle while Orlando Brown's out of training? Camp? Or are they going to, are they going to carry four tackles in the season? Like, are we like, I think we might be sleeping on Jaron Christian making this team too, by the way. I don't think, Oh, I didn't say, I don't know who's thinking he's not going to make the team. I guess. I think he's pretty thought. strongly on the team. Like, I think he's oh, like, see, I, well, that. I don't know. So here's the thing. Lucas Niang played left tackle in camp a little bit last year. He got some backup left tackle reps. How'd uh, it go? Why would he not get them? Like the, is it worse than Christian? Uh, why would he not get some more again here now? If he's not winning the right tackle job, which he didn't do in camp last year, it took a little bit before he kind of got there. Why not go that route again with him? Right. It's like, so, my general thought is four offensive tackles. You're going to have Orlando Brown and Lucas Yang as left. Andrew Wiley, Derek Kennard as right. Is there room for Christian? Absolutely, especially if Kennard has played interior and on tackle during camp or anything like that. I just think we'll get a lot better answer by come for Monday after pads come on. I will be able to tell you right then and there who I think is going to win the job because the Chiefs are pretty clear and pretty consistent the best five, especially if there's not specific position overlap, get out there on the field. So if Kennard comes out and looks better than Wiley, he's probably going to win the job. If Lucas Niang looks the best, he's probably going to win the job. It's the one position group where I think training camp, I have a pretty good read on what the Chiefs usually like to do coming out of it. I think the best interest of this team is if one of Niang or Kennard wins it for sure from a contractual standpoint because uh because Lucas Ding has three years left on his contract uh, because he missed his rookie year um, with, with COVID protocol. So he's got an extra year on his contract. And then obviously Darren Kennard, four years rookie. I think one of those two winning the right tackle positions in the best interest of this team. And I think that gives you more flexibility along the interior of the offensive line. If you're not banking on Andrew Wiley, you know, starting at right tackle, you might feel a little bit more comfortable moving. I mean, maybe, maybe you go into your opening 53 man roster with only nine offensive linemen because Andrew Wiley shows enough positional flexibility that you kind of, you know, kind of have a little bit more, um, more, more flex there to kind of, to maneuver your and, and massage your roster a little bit. Uh, Matthew, what's your storyline that you want to blaze by real quick? Oh, uh, another position that I think you can get a lot from a training camp is going to be the running back spot. Who, what's it look like? Who's out there when they're doing their passing stuff, when they, especially when they go no huddle or they start having the first team go out there and work through team stuff, who's out there, especially if it's the two minute drill stuff and you're starting to see who's going to be your third down back because you start getting the two minute drill stuff. There's going to be not very many runs. It doesn't matter. You're not working on run concepts. You're going to be looking at the third down back. Is Clyde getting some of these reps and is, are they starting to trust him more with these protection aspects or are they going to fall back on McKinnon or is it Pacheco stepping up? Like what's that running back rotation look like? I don't think you can take a ton from them actually as runners at camp. I think it's kind of hard given that, you know, both teams are working on specific things. So sometimes running lanes will be there and you're looking at I don't know, no matter what 90% speed tops, like nobody's ever going hundred percent at training camp unless you're George Carl off this apparently. Um, so like, that's you can't tell who's looking better, but who's out there, especially on third down. So like, that's the one spot that I have my eyes on. 
yeah, they're not they're not going to waste reps in this running back room on guys that they don't think are going to fit a specific role. So if you don't see Ronald Jones out there on third downs pretty quickly, that tells you a lot about what they view of him and how he's going to slot in there. Conversely, if you see Clyde in there, if you see Isaiah Pacheco in there, if you see Jerick McKinnon in there, like that that tells you what you need to know so seeing the way that those guys slot in specifically on third downs is yeah no that's that's going to be a massive storyline coming out of camp uh craig do you have anything else do you want any storylines you want to throw out there yeah i got one more here um let's go with the tight end position i am curious to see the chiefs have obviously brought Blake Bell back. I think he's going to be a good quality blocker. I think he has a very carved out role on this team as the second tight end as far as percentage of snaps goes. Does Jody Fortson start cutting into that? Do they start using Noah Gray a little more in line? Are they feeling comfortable with some of the weight and some of the progress that he's made? If we start seeing those two guys cutting into Blake Bell's snaps a little bit, Maddie has talked about this a lot. Are they going to keep four tight ends? Blake Bell might be a casualty just from the standpoint of he's a veteran guy. They've got these young guys that they like. They like Blake. He's solid. He's going to play teams. He's going to do all this stuff just ridiculously well, but it may be a numbers game. And if those two young guys show enough progress to where they feel comfortable moving along from a blocking tight end for a guy that maybe has a little bit more, you know, weaponization in the offense, then you might get to see Blake Bell a little more on the outside than we thought. I still think he's making the roster, but that is a little bit of a battle that we might see early on in camp. Seems like Jody Fortson's a little bit bigger this year. Feels like he kind of filled out his frame just a little bit more. I'm kind of interested in that too. Does that help him as, a, as an inline guy a little bit? Like, that's definitely worth monitoring too because value goes up significantly if Jody Fortson is able to be a little bit more in line. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something worth watching. Anything else? Do you have anything to add to that, Maddie? Or yeah, Noah Gray is on roster watch, buddy. I'm telling you, I think I think Noah Gray is on the fringe. I think if you have 53 roster spots, I think he's one of your final three. And I don't even know if it's up for two tight ends, but I think he's one of your final three. And a lot of this is predicated around Jody Fortson had some decent reps as a blocker last year when before he got hurt. Like he had better blocking reps than Noah Gray, especially just in terms of climbing to the second level or handling a defensive lineman or an edge player on the outside. So if he's able to do that and if he's a little bit bigger or a little bit stronger as he gets back completely into NFL tight end shape after trying to play wide receiver, if that blocking is a little bit better, I don't see where Noah Gray is going to start taking some of the reps from him, given the fact that he's also a better vertical receiver. The things that Noah Gray does, they have a handful of guys now that can do. So I just, I think training camps can be a really good spot to see where Noah Gray is running. Is he running with the threes over and over again? Not a good look. If you want a quick summary of this entire show, first, just go ahead and hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Secondly, basically what we've just said is, just about every single position on this roster is worth watching. And the truth of the matter is, it's real. There's only a few positions that are really settled. Don't watch the interior offensive line. Quarterback, interior offensive line, set. Uh, tight end one, set. Everything else, going to be a lot of fun Fullback to watch. Fullback, set. <laughs> that is going to do set. it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.